Hello and welcome back to just another football podcast. Back again, Fergal and George are here with me today. How you doing, boys? Very well, thanks. Very well. Yeah, very well. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, the more observant of you will have noticed we're not John Bally this week, unfortunately. Uh, he and his family have had a family bereavement, so obviously explainable that he's not here. We all just want to extend our best wishes to him and, you know, hope that you all keep him and his family in your thoughts. So... Without further ado, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on and we'll talk about the newly introduced segment from last week, which is AFCON Appetizers in Ali's honour. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of AFCON you guys have managed to watch, but geez, I mean, there's been some stuff, there's been some stuff going down. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I would say that I've actually been pretty scathing of AFCON in the past in terms of the disruption that it's caused to the season. Um, just from a greedy standpoint at wanting all the players available for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Not, nothing else to that. N- n- there's no more um, cynicism to it than that. But I've got to say, fr- from what I've seen, Fogel's just imitating his shovel. Uh, for those that can't see. Yeah, Harry, uh, Harry was just gutted when Javinho left every season. I was, I, I've, I've never <laughs> gone over it. I, our season never recovered. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to say from what I've seen... It's just been absolute carnage, and and like you, you've got to love it. I mean, where else to start? But but the referee who not once but twice attempted to end the game before the ninety minutes had been played in the Tunisia Mali game. Did you guys manage to catch that? I I saw I saw the the, the I saw, I, I, re, I read that fact that there was like was there a sending off and and two or three VAR decisions. And yeah, he blew it up ten, ten seconds before the ninetieth minute, and then just uh, the chaos that ensued afterwards with the managers giving off. I'm rightly so about this. I was reading something in the Athletic this morning, where it was talking about the fact that he felt unwell, so they were suggesting potential heat stroke. It was maybe, maybe it was like a Gary Lineker. He didn't want to shit himself on the pitch and was like, you know, blow it up quick. I I need to go to the toilet. Yeah. It was um, it was pretty suspect. I mean, uh, the funniest part of this all is is the fact that their manager was doing his post match press conference, and uh, officials stormed in and basically said the match had to be restarted from from the ninetieth minute. Um, an injury time had to be played, and it, it actually didn't end up happening. Um, so just absolute carnage. I mean, like I can't imagine that happening uh, in the Euros, for example. No. But, uh, it, it's just scandals got and I absolutely love it. I don't mean to be in any way disrespectful. I think it's absolutely fantastic on it on on a purely entertainment uh, basis. I've, I've really enjoyed what I've seen so far. I, I wonder if it's like similar to obviously you know Frank Lampard's got ghost goal. If you're not English, like that probably is in like fascinating and funny and interesting that it's so like I mean that's obviously not one of the, the worst that we've seen. Obviously, Maradona's hand of God, um, uh, Thierry Henry's this... hand of God. I think to outsiders, it's so. I think it is just hilarious that when football goes wrong, effectively. Um, so it's one of those moments where it's just going to be. It's going to go down in history as just quite funny. And the, the, the difference is that the ref can't say that like he's he's missed anything or like he's like he's literally just either lost track of time miss set his clock wrong or, or it's just gone that. or it's just been been completely oblivious as the fact that there was you know around five minutes of, of time wasted with, with var and stuff um and, and it's blown up early you never see a man get blown up early why, like how does he how does he manage that like 100 i i get forgetting extra time almost but the fact he blows early as well, it's it's. it's... I, I, I think the the you know the 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 medical point makes a lot more sense if he like if he if he himself but thought, just delusional. But then he's got to take him. No, but I'm thinking it? like, is he like, if he's just like, I can't, I need to get in. If he's just like, I'm not feeling great. I need to blow this yeah. up as quick as possible. Um, that that that's that's literally the only thing that would make sense. Anything else? That I'm 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 not quite sure. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it yeah, it's a, it's a mad one. Um, the the uh, the other one I saw was the um, the uh, Sierra Leone Ivory Coast game and the e- last minute equalising goal 
where the goalkeeper makes an absolute hash of it, lands awkwardly, ball fumbles, and then it's just uh, the Sierra Leone player picks it up and squares it across. And, and the guy that scores actually stumbles and, and gets the ball in the net. <laughs> and it's a really good uh, uh, late minute uh, or last minute goal. Um, and, and a big one for Sierra Leone, who have, uh, you know, ex Liverpool striker. They haven't played at centre back, which I don't personally think it's his best position. Yeah, you know, you're, you're missing out his target man potential there. Uh, but yeah, good, good for him to get getting a goal in international football. Yeah, I mean, he's wasted back there. I think you've seen his uh, prowess as a target man for Liverpool. I, I mean, I'm surprised he's not still there. In fairness, um, but uh, they need. There's talk of that they need a new striker. So well, you know, I mean, th- th- there's your man. They they could have done with sticking him on the other day in that Carabao Cup game, just having a bit of presence in the box because. He couldn't have done any worse than the guys that played. Um, I mean, he must he must have one of the best England conversion rates as well. I mean, one one goal in one game that's pretty incredible for a, uh, you know for a centre back turn target man. Um, it's, it's good going from him. It's good going from him. Um, but I think before we move on, we've got to address the elephant in the room here, which is that Fergal, one of your countrymen, actually is is taking part in Afcon. Uh, Irishman Roberto Lopez. Yeah, uh, Roberto Lopez of of Dublin. He's he um he's uh, playing um for Cape Verde, and got man of the match in their game against Cameroon. He's a centre back. Uh, he's playing in the middle of a back three, which he does for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, after winning the league title with Shamrock Rovers this year as well, um, uh, very successful in in Ireland. And yeah, he he, found, he he got contacted by the Cape Verde manager through LinkedIn, um, and <laughs> he was offered to uh, play f- uh, f- for the Cape Verde national team. If however, it was initially sent to him in Portuguese, which he does not speak. As far as I know, he only speaks English. <laughs> uh, he he may know a bit of Irish, <laughs> but he does not speak Portuguese or the there's another language as well. I can't quite remember the name of it that they speak in Cape Verde, and he doesn't speak any of it. And he initially thought it was a spam email, um, uh, and um, and so or a spam message on LinkedIn. So just dismissed it. And it was only when the message was sent him a second time in um, in English that he realised it was legit, and he was being called up to play for Cape Verde. His, um, his father's uh, from there. Um, so yeah, r- really interesting story. If you if you want, I, we don't usually share it other podcasts, but the second captain's interviewed him. It's quite an interesting interview. Um, but I won't give any more than that. That's you so can go cool. find it. I but just yeah, love the idea of maybe story. like the, the Sierra Leone or Cape Verde putting out a LinkedIn job advert. <laughs> Need a centre back. <laughs> Qualifications it, six foot three. <laughs> this is it. I don't know how. Like I don't know how the how the um, manager find out about him. Is it like someone that knows his grandfather that's still mm. there? Is like, oh, he his son's a footballer in Ireland. You should try find him. Or yeah. like, or what the story is, but or is he just trawling through LinkedIn, looking for players that have a Cape Verde flag in their bio? <laughs> like, like, like it's it's an incredible story and like an insight into the, the the smaller nations and how they go and find players. Like, it's 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 amazing. I just want to know how Stephen Kenny's not been looking at him. I mean, what's going on there? I see. Well, when you've got the Irish Air Force and Shane Duffy at the back, we're, we're good for centre backs. Yeah, we're, result, we're okay. results certainly reflect that, pal. Um, <laughs> they do. I know. I'm, I'm no sarcasm <laughs> at all there, mate. I'm giving you some credit. It wasn't that long ago that you kept Portugal to a 0 0 draw. Exactly, exactly. I was there. Saw it with your own two eyes. Yeah, yeah. Well. We'll, uh, we're trying to give Ireland too much credit on this podcast. Uh, yeah, so just to mention, Roberto Lopez, he got, he got a man of the match against... against oh, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, oh, it's worth saying twice. He got Say man it of the again. Match. Give him the credit he deserves. Give him the credit he deserves. Okay, Tom. Um, moving on to slightly... Uh, well, to something uh, slightly less amusing for you guys, which was Chelsea this weekend. Uh, Chelsea went to Manchester City in what was really a must-win game for them, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. And didn't. They lost 1-0. Um, Chelsea beat Man City three times last year under Tuchel. Um, 
slightly different circumstances in each one, uh, all by one goal. Um, this season, in the two games I've seen them play against Man City, in sort of slightly different ways, they've been pushed back and not really laid a glove on them in either game. Um, are you guys disappointed with that? Particularly with the, with Saturday, you needed to win the game, really. And and to me, it kind of looked like, okay, you did have a couple of chances on the break and the car could have one saved. And, but there was only one team that was sort of proactive in trying to win the game. So is it a case of Chelsea set up wrong, picked the wrong personnel? Or is it just that you're playing a very good team and, you know, you kind of need to ride your luck a little bit and, and take your moments when they come? I think I think you've nailed it in in the sense when when you've said it was a must win game and if you don't take um, must win games and be on the forefront from the off then what are you doing you know like there there is no we, we we literally soaked the whole game plan was to soak up pressure hopefully somehow give Lukaku a chance which we didn't produce apart from in the second half when when we sort of somewhat came alive after conceding um and we were just so deflated and flat we didn't have particularly any creativity or any game plan other than stifling man city's attack which we did well to be fair but that's not the point you know I, we probably could have easily come out of this game with a nil nil draw you know kepper arguably could have saved that De Bruyne shot. Um, other than that, you know, there was a few chances, but I wouldn't say you know um, Man City got got too many clear cut chances that we got torn apart. Having said give that, credit, give credit to Kepi. Saved that one, the greenish hard. Yeah, I agree. But Edison also saved the one from from Lukaku. That's what goalkeepers should be doing. You know, when especially at the top level. Like, I think I, Mendy, like, I think Mendy saves it, but like that's I, I also agree. not. It's, it's, it's not, not the wide. point. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. It's not the point. A draw wouldn't have been acceptable either. Um, and the fact that we've gone out there um, and not even tried to to win, seemingly, until we've gone 1-0 down, which is absolutely bizarre. Um, and from, from what I can remember last year, the three wins, I believe Mason Mount started all of them. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong there. We definitely uh, started two of them. Yeah, and I remember him dominating Fernandinho, and then obviously in the Champions League, he also got the assist for the goal. I, I really see some real issues without Mason Mount in this team, and obviously Reese James as well. Um, where we just lack anyone who who connects the defense and attack. You know it, that in between the line sort of player. We don't have that when when they're not playing, and Ziyech, I just don't think he's good enough for Chelsea. I've said it quite a lot of times. I've been quite harsh on him. Um, I don't dislike the guy. I just don't think he's he's right for the system. I don't think he's right for Chelsea. Um, and I think all the blame has to lie on Tuchel for for squad selection. He's got a big enough squad size. He's got the first team players that played. Um, uh, there, were, there was enough available to uh, enough at his disposal to to win the game, and he he didn't go out and win it, uh, try and win it. He didn't try and keep possession like we usually do. It was bizarre. You think, Virgil? I yeah, I yeah, pr- pretty much agree on everything. I I I like to, although Mandy might say that shot, I just like I I just think Cap has for me has been has been really good recently. And, um, yeah, I don't think. He, yeah, yeah, I don't think. And he like, he, he's unlucky that he's taken a, a step, a step to the right. Maybe he's he saw something or tried to predict something. So I, I'm not. I'm not. I saw a lot of people saying he just should have saved them. I was like, it's it's just incredibly harsh. And like, he they done really well for the for the greatest chance. Yeah. And and there's another there's another chance as well. I remember him doing a couple of saves he he had to make. And um, and me me and George, we've been saying this for. In this sort of point, from even when we were doing well in the Champions League, that you know, it's this is not right tactic for cup games, but uh, when you you're you're just trying not to lose, but when you ever whenever you have to try and win, um, this f- formation for me is is just too negative. And now this, in fairness to me, did evolve it when we had Chilwell and Reese James the performance against Juventus. You know that that was looking like we were, you know, free flowing. Um, the the performances against Arsenal, arguably against two teams that were that were poor as well, though. At yeah. that point, um, yeah. and 
Um, but for me, I I think it's he, he's tried this four triple two, which a week a week ago I was you know like saying that nobody's doing for United. And now, and now I I well after having to think about it, I have seen it a good few times. But um, uh, I'm still not convinced about it for United though. But um, yeah. but like for Chelsea, it worked against Spurs. We were a lot more fluid, and with the amount of good attacking players that we have, I think we need to to uh, to just be more attacking, put more attacking players in the pitch, um, and take the game to teams more. Um, I'd like to see Mount in a more deeper role, um, uh, and be it so he can progress and he can be more box to box and he can join in the attack in the same way he still does, but he can, he can be that link man driving it forward. Um, and and providing passes for for Lukaku from a deeper position. You think Lukaku, Lukaku was was struggling? Like he was, he, he like he should have done better with the chances he was given. But we need to be supplying him more in the way that he likes to be yeah. supplied. The same as Ziyech. There's a few Chelsea guys I'd follow on Twitter. Uh, Nini FC, uh, the Blue Lions TV are quite like. And he he's he's been banging the strum for a long time, saying like how the likes of Ziyech they're not being played how they how they done well at Ajax you know like they're they're being asked to do a different job, um, uh, uh Pulisic and Hudson Odoi you know both of them yeah, have played just, in a real yeah. mix of positions this season, yeah. uh that that can't help um and so yeah there's a lot I I've I've I thought we should be transitioning. I'm pretty sure I said on the podcast at the end of the last season we should be transitioning to a back four system going yeah, forward because it's just more attacking. Um, and I think by I'd be surprised if this tactic is going to be starting next season. Um, it, it might it might continue through this season, but I think he'll be tra- we've already seen the four triple two, so I don't think well that'll be the last of it that we see against Spurs. Um, and then in other cup games when we haven't had a full starting eleven, he's played like forty three ones and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, it's um, in there needs to be a change. Perhaps if we had Kilwell and Reese James, it'd be a different story. But there's no reason why they can't continue to be the great attacking threats that they are in it in a four at the back. There, there's ways of doing that as well. Uh, and if we if we lose Rudiger, we absolutely have to go to a four four at the back. Yeah. You know, he is he is fantastic in a three at the back. Um, but but I'd be hesitant him at the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah, of how aggressive he is, it's the same as when we had yeah. David Luiz. You know, you don't want David Luiz in a in a, in a four at the back. You just you, it's just criminal. Um, I'd also worry a little bit about Thiago Silva in the, in the for the for the back, even though I think he is one of the best centre backs in the Premier yeah. League, if not the best. Um, I know that's a bold claim, but just the way no, fair. he operates, I just think is just yeah, exceptional, especially at thirty-seven years old as well. It's just yeah. incredible. He's um, yeah, with Rudiger, might uh, for a lot of people that might seem, or other than Chelsea fans, that might seem really harsh about Rudiger, but. Uh, he, 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 and also it was he was a big fault for the goal that we conceded against Arsenal in the champ in the FA Cup final mm-hmm. uh, that Aubameyang scored, and it's 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 one of his positives in a back three that he he comes out rushing, he's, yeah, he's and, and, yeah, and he's really aggressive. That works in the back two again with his runs up the pitch. That was what he's great at. It's not necessarily something that can be done in the back two, and he needs to be a lot more hesitant and and choose his times when to be aggressive a bit more wisely. Perhaps with with how he has improved, he could do that. I'm sure he'd still be probably our best centre back. But the back three definitely suits him more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if we move on from that, I think I think we um if he moves on, I think it probably is wise that we move to back four as well. I think you've known. I think you've got a lot of players that suit a back three. Um, yeah. You know the two key components that in that, if you like, are both injured at the moment in, in Chilwell and Reese James. And you know, all due respect to Aspilicueta, he's been you know a fantastic player for Chelsea, but he just is not going to offer you the same things in that position as Reese James. Um, Alonso clearly isn't up to the standard required to play every game. I think he's fine if he comes in and plays the odd game. But obviously, with the injuries to chill, well, he's probably going to have to play most games for the end of the season. And you know, I don't know if you're going to get someone in on loan or or someone in permanently to replace him. But oof, 
it's, it's it's coming back to the recruitment and like like the the people that we sold and and um the ones that we chose to keep and like it's um it's it's just a wee bit frustrating like like the we seen the board are constantly slow at plugging these little gaps of of the second choice players um I remember when William was that playing at right wing. I always thought we need another right winger because he yeah. would go in and out of form, and he just needed someone. We should have signed Zeek or someone like Zeek a long time ago, like someone uh, like that. Uh, though we're slagging off, say we needed someone that was going to push for for William. Yeah, yeah. And we, his best times whenever he was competing with Pedro, uh, yeah. a lot of the time. Uh, as an example and then the same at left back you know you know Alonso's come in and out whenever we're playing wing backs he suits it more now he's really on the way and he's not always good at even playing wing back um and it's just like they, they were a bit slow to to go out and spend on on a on these second choice players and when we do we don't we don't go for the perfect choice we go for like a um a Zappacosta um, or 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 an Alonso, and Alonso was just lucky that he actually ended up working out at the price point that we paid for him because nobody knew about him before. Him and Zappacosta are basically the same signing, um, and one time it worked and the other time it didn't. So that's the yeah, the, that's the risk yeah. you you take with that. And you look at you look at players that we've let go, uh, and you, you do think about the Aspilicueta role, where obviously Aspilicueta is much better in that back three as a right centre back. Yeah. Who could we have had this season that we've let go? Livermento and Lamperty both have been, you know, uh, would have been a great choice as a backup right wing back. I don't know how how ready they were but to both play Both of them that are role. already being talked up for moves in their own right. Yeah, yeah, both of them are already talked up for moves. So uh, perhaps they didn't want to risk um, having two young right wing backs to uh, as options in James and you know. Um, whether it be Livermento or Lamperty, you know, a couple of seasons ago that he was let go. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it... and, now, and now there's talk of Brozier going on top of all that, and it's like um, he looks, he looks pretty good. Some of the goals he scored just look that's, like a, a proper number nine, and yeah. like, and that's um, what we lack at the moment. I mean, obviously Lukaku, yeah. you know, supposed to. Be yeah, Brozier's in better form than Lukaku. Yeah. There's no doubt about that, and um, and you know. My, my, Tammy, my boy, yeah, my boy Tammy's in good form as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's not bad, is he? He's not bad. Is there any danger Chelsea get dragged into a top four race? No, no, uh, no, no. I, 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 don't, I don't think yeah. so either. Watching like watching the two legs against Spurs, for example, mm-hmm. they're miles better than Spurs. Yeah. It's just that looking at the table, if Spurs win their games in hand, they're actually above Chelsea. No, I don't, yeah. I don't think they will. Like, if's the big word there. Do you know? So do you know what scares me most is that we'll never actually catch City ever again. And the reason why is they, not many teams changed Chelsea's style of play. Mm. They came, they came, and we we just forgot how to keep the ball mm. completely. And that's the that's practically the first the only game thing was a lot did. worse. Yeah, the first game. What I was going to say, the yeah. first game was re- yeah. the first game was worse for me because it essentially oh, definitely. was. You had a, almost a full team out. You didn't really have nearly as many injuries as this yeah. one. And at the time, City were wobbling a little bit. I think they'd drawn at home to Southampton. They'd obviously lost to Spurs. And yeah. Chelsea were top of the league and unbeaten. And they just didn't turn up on the day, which well, happened. Yeah. Um, and they just swamped all over you. And sort of like the way I look at it, I think Chelsea are in a position now where they're clearly much better than the chasing teams for top four. Yeah. Even if they were to win their game. Had, like, they're a much better team than Spurs. Arsenal, Man United, West Ham. But I don't think over 38 games that at no. the level of the two teams above them. And that's no, there's no shame in that. Like I, I, Liverpool might drop off as well, but Liverpool proven in a couple of seasons that they can they can go and get high 90s points. Chelsea haven't yeah. done that yet. Even yeah, last yeah. season when Tuchel came in and he won the Champions League, in the league, they, they weren't as good. I think they lost three or four games under him and, yeah. and limped into fourth. So I, th- I think the players are good enough, to be honest do that i i i i i the problem then because surely it's not too sure but i i I think it's the system i think i i I think the system is 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 you know this is the optimal this what you're looking at is the best that system can provide and it's very bloody good 
like you know he'll, he'll win you a Champions League but it just won't and he'll get you top league. four as well yeah yeah it. it just won't win yeah. your league and I think you're looking at the optimal of this system and then but like the potential of these players is so much higher like like just look at Lukaku for example no one can say we're getting the best out of Lukaku we're not playing yeah. to his strengths and he's not getting the numbers that he previously did I thought Conte it was interesting. Conte's former manager came out and said he's not being used in the right way. I'm going to have yeah. done poetry for Sky Italia. So, like, um, there's that. And also, just a comment on, like, the, the top being getting dragged into top four. We were, in terms of form, we were in a, you know, a title um, um, race form. We've now dropped into a top four. Mm-hmm. We, we still haven't lost that many games. It's just a lot of draws. I feel like you're drawing a lot. That's why I yeah. know you've drawn seven games. But that's, um, like... That's like to- like a top four sort of form, it, like not to be losing them, to be picking up the wins, but then a draw mixed in. To me, that's that's like top four sort of form. Um, so the fact that we've got the, the you know the title winning or the title um race form, edge transition to top four. We'll we'll get out with with this awkward patch of injuries and all the rest. It we'll get back to the the title uh, race form. But it'll it'll just but it'll be, be too late. Yeah, it'll be too yeah. late, and it'll be um and city are like you know, city are a joke. And and, and you were saying George about like worrying are we ever going to catch them again? I think it's Pep. I yeah, Pep, I agree. Pep, oh Pep, no, no, hundred percent agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pep, Pep is the. I like, disrespected Pep, him so many times, too many times. He is. I, I think the key is that. Obviously, he's had a lot of money to spend, and he's been supported yeah, very yeah. well. There's make no bones about that. But if you look at the team that City had before Pep came in, it was comfortably the best team in the country, and, yeah, and they yeah. weren't doing what they're doing now, which is yeah. they, they are arguably the most dominant team in in English football history. The amount of points they get every season, how consistent they are over thirty eight games, how many times they've strung together 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever it is, wins in a row. 18, I think yeah. it was, was it? They, they've done 18, they did, they've done something like that last season, yeah. the season where they beat Liverpool to the line, they won something like the last 12. Um, they're going to do something similar this year. That, like the, the consistency they've shown it, it, it's just astonishing. I honestly think, someone said to me the other day, like uh, the Champions League will always be more impressive than winning the league. At this moment in time, no. make no mistake about I it, the most impressive feat in football would be to beat this Manchester City team over 38 games. Yeah. Because it is so difficult yeah. to do. Um, and and uh, that's the thing, that like, Chelsea won the Champions League last year. They're a very, very, very good team. But it's unfortunate the levels required at this moment in time in English football. Uh, uh, it, it's a joke. They've won eighteen yeah, out of twenty-two right. games. The, the the thing about Pep as well is like it's like he, he's been given everything he's wanted to. No one could could take these tools and do. I don't think anybody else could do what he's doing. And also the interesting thing, nobody would ask for the tools that he's asked for. Like That's a very you know, good like like if everybody would be adamant on getting like a good number nine, and like he's like he he sees the potential in having, you know, all these small nimble players rotating in around, and he can see that that's that's worth more than a than a striker, and a striker would take from that. Um, and and you know, like so so not no one else would ask for that. So he's a genius for seeing that that's like the the optimum of, of football, and like that's the that that's what he they he should be asking for in the first place. And then even if you gave someone else these tools, even Klopp, I don't. It's not the Klopp, the Klopp sort of team in some aspects. I don't think Klopp could could, could get uh, get this team doing what he wants. But it, 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 be- it is perfect for Pep. That's the only that's the only caveat with every, all of the success that Ma- Ma- yeah. he have. Is that when you've been given absolutely everything, but they're getting every ounce of quality out yeah, of yeah, every definitely. ounce that yeah. was spent on it? Definitely, and quite easily as well. I, I feel like whenever I'm watching them rattle off yeah. these exceptional number of victories, I just look and I think, well, yeah, like they do that. Like when Liverpool won the league, or even like tight rival them for it, you thought, fucking, hell, they are getting absolutely everything out of the 11 players on the pitch every week. And it is astonishing. And I'd, I'd always give them so much credit for that. But Man City, they just like, it, it, it seems easy. Like, honestly, like, yeah. they just they just stroll along. They, like, I watched them the other week against Brentford. They won 1-0. They didn't even play that well, but they were so comfortable. It's incredible. Yeah. I'll give, we've it's, actually it's, given them it's some like credit a on a podcast. It's like a broken isn't it? Yeah. 
it's I mean, just it's... like they just suffocate you slowly quite quite uh, and just just all and you can't get out it's it's and yeah this is it like we, we we've barely talked about them so there is any man city fans we're, we're that, that sums it up giving though, doesn't you the it? adulation uh, but yeah. i think honestly that sums it up is that what they're doing is astonishing it is like when you actually step away and think about it the the consistency that they show every single week is unbelievable and yet they win and everyone's like, yep, Man City won this weekend. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a talking point, yeah. is it? You know? Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's like, it's the ultimate compliment, I think. The, mm. the consistency that we've come to expect from them, whilst it's reached unprecedented levels in terms of we've never seen it before really in English football, it's not unprecedented from them. They've done it in three or four previous other campaigns. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't flick on a Man City game unless I saw it was nil-nil going to the last 10 minutes. That, that, that's if, if that's my sort of weird compliment like, to them. They're not you're, the you're... most entertaining games. Like, let's be honest. No, like, that's what I mean. That's like how just like Bruce they are. I'm like, there's no point in flicking on this game. Man, they're going to win. So unless, it's... unless the proof is there that they're on this occasion they're struggling to win or someone has scored against them, that's the only occasion I'm going to flick them on because the, not... that's the only hope you have. It's not like. It's not offensive to say their games aren't entertaining. If you look at their two probably most entertaining games this season, was their two-all draw at Liverpool and the game where they beat us 2-1 the other week. And they were probably yeah. the two games they struggled the most in. Yeah, yeah. They don't want games to be entertaining. They don't care about yeah. that. They're just going to do their thing, suffocate the opponents, pass them to death, work their openings. And they just, when they get in front, they win. They, they yeah. do not get pegged back. Yeah. And that's the difference, I think, between them and the chasing pack, who are very good teams. Um... Let's move on. I think the biggest talking point from this weekend probably should have been that game, but it was actually a game that didn't take place uh, between Arsenal and Tottenham, or Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, and I feel like we've kind of, we've reached boiling point now, I think, with the Premier League postponement rules. Um, so, yeah. so to give a bit of context, the game this weekend was postponed after Arsenal reported a number of injuries, absences at AFCON and COVID cases. Now, the COVID cases was definitely one, potentially two at most. And so on the surface of it, you look at it and you go, well, that shouldn't be getting postponed because COVID hasn't caused that postponement. You can have two players missing from COVID. We had four players missing from COVID the other week against Norwich and we played and we beat them 5-0. And so it wasn't due cause in that sense. I think where the problem has obviously been created is the interpretation of the rule is that if you have any players missing from COVID and injuries and absences, suspensions or players at AFCON or other tournaments, whatever, that meets the requirements to have games postponed. And so they've put themselves, the Premier League, and and let's make a clear point here, right? The Premier League as a body is self-governed. Premier Leagues govern the Premier League body. Mm-hmm. They decide these decisions. They have these meetings on Zoom and whatever, and they decide how the rules will work. And so while Tottenham, when they put that statement out on the weekend, saying how they think it's ridiculous that it was postponed, absolutely it's ridiculous. But why didn't you air that in that meeting? Why is this well, rule they might have done, they, they might have done, but they've not done it to a sufficient standard where that rule has not been able to be passed. I'm pretty damn convinced that if multiple executives of the club said this is ridiculous i don't think that rule stands i really don't and i know we're not privy to this stuff and i know it's kind of like you're reading between the lines a little bit and you're sort of going well surely they they signed off on it and then it's come to pass that it's ridiculous which it is and it's been taken to a point now where clubs are exploiting it there's no doubt in my mind Arsenal played 66 minutes against Liverpool with 10 men. They picked up knocks in that game. They had injuries. They had one COVID case. They had players at AFCON. And they've got the second leg next week. I don't doubt for a second they looked at it and thought, we don't, we don't want to play this game this weekend. But the problem is, they're well within their rights to do that. As much as clubs won't like it, clubs will protest it's ridiculous. I think most clubs do the same. Like Clubs are self-serving. I think we all know this. Like, yeah. yeah. If, if they can get away with it, they, they will, unless they're Bielsa's leads, it seems. Who, who, yeah. Like, yeah, and who, full credit to Leeds. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, Leeds deserve credit. We'll talk about that game in a minute against West Ham. They deserve credit for fielding a team. They deserve credit for fielding a team against us a few weeks ago when they had players missing and 
went ahead with the game. Fair play to them. But the, the thing is, clubs that postpone instead of playing aren't doing anything wrong. It's no, just that Leeds right. are choosing not to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think. The, the, the... Yeah, the the thing I have on is like, it's, it's it's like not it's nothing to do with Arsenal, as you said. If they're following the if they're following the rules and the and the guidance, whatever, and, and they manage to get away, with it, that's fair enough. Um, I I I mean, my stance hasn't changed. And I said uh, on the podcast uh, it, when all this these postponed games were coming on, I thought I think it, they should be played no matter what, and you just have to play the youngsters. Um, um, and I still I still stand by it. The only reason I think my mind that it, like, a game should be called off is if it's like a very high risk that it, it that there's so many within the club that it'll become like sort of sort of super spreader event or like um like it's too from a medical standpoint it's it's a really high risk that it'll you know it'll spread to outside the club on a high number of cases or something like that that for me is the only threshold that mm. um that a game should be called off uh at when it's like sort of a uh, and I know some sort of national health issue, um, yeah. uh, and and anything else should sh- should carry on. Um, but the the issue I don't know how it's been how they've got away with it. But the Liverpool false positives thing, yeah. Like although it's, mm. it's gone on, just so uh, I I roughly worked out the the um, how likely it was. I saw a tweet about about it as well, and it was saying how. Uh, the odds of having five pos- false positive, Liverpool said they had 10, so this is yeah. only half the number, is about three in 100 trillion. Either they're lying or... Well, they are. That's uh, the problem, but, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I'm, not, I'm not savvy enough to the process that goes on mm-hmm. to, to determine whether something could be faulty and then you'd get that, those, that return. I, I completely understand that when you, ha- when you take lateral flow tests, the odds of them being false positive are extremely low, and therefore the odds three, of... three in ten thousand are, are, three in... are okay. false positive lateral flow tests. Right, um, so it's extremely so, so, low. But if, if you just, Harry, just let me. I will just put it into perspective. For yeah, me. go for it, man. Go for it. Chances of winning the Euro Millions is one in one hundred and thirty-nine thousand. What uh, Liverpool was one <laughs> three in a, in a hundred trillion. Uh, the the chances of of quad uh, of a pregnancy being quadruplets, it's uh, about one in six hundred thousand. The chances of a pregnancy being a six toplet, it's uh, that that that's that's reaching the 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 one in in three billion or in the one in four billion. Uh, what's that, sorry, one in four. There's so many billion numbers. One in <laughs> one in th- four billion. That's uh, the chances of a pregnancy having six kids is is one in four billion. <laughs> it's being struck by lightning, one in five hundred thousand. <laughs> that's that's it's likeness of being struck by lightning in in a year, one in five hundred thousand. Chance of being struck by a meteor in your lifetime is apparently one in. <laughs> One in one one million six hundred thousand. <laughs> Not sure about that one. So that th- those are some some unlikely things that puts it into perspective. I think I think you've got to you've got to ask where did they get these tests from? Where have they got what, where have they got these uh-huh. tests? No, um, I I guess to go back to the Arsenal thing, um, because unfortunately I guess the, the the reason why this is a big story and the reason why we're talking about it is because of Arsenal, uh, and it's not Arsenal's fault and everyone's been saying that but it's in the press because of Arsenal and the reason why is to put a bit of context around it obviously Xhaka's red card even though that's not being included I I don't believe in the in the absences um the uh, suspension uh, sorry the the AFCON um numbers and then also uh, the loaning out of, of fringe players although only two um have been caused for backlash now i mean they're they're ridiculous factors unfortunately arsenal uh, are one of the most popular teams in the world um let alone england um so they're going to get a huge amount of media attention and when they do um 
stuff like this, especially in a North London derby, it's going to get traction, it's going to get criticism, and it's going to cause a story. Now, people like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher did the, did, did the right thing in, you know, in calling postponements out. However, the timing is very convenient. Yeah, I, I think Neville, Neville also, the reason I sort of take issue with him slightly is he has a vested interest, not only as a Sky Sports employee, because obviously they work, they're working that game. They're the ones televising it. They earn the money from it. He's also an owner of a club. And mm. so I think mm. he understands that when games are postponed, there's a backlog of them as the season mm. goes on. And therefore, there is a knock-on effect. So while I understand his point, I kind of don't want to hear it from him because he has reason to be saying that other than just, I'm objective and this is my view on it. Yeah, I, I do. I do think where it becomes difficult, and this is kind of the only reason I can think why they haven't necessarily distinguished between COVID cases and injuries, is because if you get into a situation where you've got COVID cases and players through this busy period in particular are having to constantly play games and you can't rotate, you could argue that then injuries are being caused by COVID indirectly. And so that's where I think it gets a bit more difficult in terms of. In this case, they weren't. They they were not. They were not caused by COVID. But I think it's quite difficult for the Premier League to go right. We're going to set out a a rule here where we can determine if COVID cases have been caused, uh, injuries have been caused by COVID cases because you've had to play players constantly. I think the lines would then become too blurred. It become you get into grey areas. I do think they could have at the start of it gone. If you want to apply for postponements, this is the minimum number of cases in your squad yeah. you have to have. Say five, right? Just a just a round number. Yeah. You get five COVID cases, and then you get I don't know five injuries. Then I think you could look at it and go, okay, that is significant enough disruption to go. We we can't play this game, and so we're going to postpone it. But I also think with the Premier League, are they doing it to look after player welfare, or are they doing it because they want to see better games? They want to see better players playing on the pitch for their teams. They don't want to see you know. Arsenal play Leeds' under-18 team and beat them 4-1 or you know they don't want to see one-sided fixtures where one team is crippled with COVID and injuries and other teams are you know I, I, I think it is that but I to going back to your earlier point I think it's just a bit more selfish they're like you know we don't have our best teams so we don't want to play this now I think it's more much more like just self-serving and um, you know they're just trying to look out for themselves they know that like they know that there'll be an occasion where where it will be unfair, where both one team is is completely fine, the other team is uh, ha, has a you know aside for the youngsters. I I I the awkward thing is I, it's hard to bring in a rule midway through a season that's so significant. Um. So. Oh, they can't do it now. They can't. They can't. They can't change it now. They can't, they can't change it now. So like it's it's going to be like you know you just have to hope that the 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 standard of of what what's needed to postpone games is carried fairly and has been carried fairly throughout. Um, but I think going forward, real changes. I I think you just have to be like, put the onus on the clubs. Go look. You have to fulfil these fixtures. As I said, the only uh, what I think the only reason should be if there's like some bigger risk other than the football club. Um. I I I, th- I think you have you have to do it that way, and, ju- I, I do and just think... be like you have to you have to put mm. you have to put out you have to fulfill the fixture, uh, and put out kids and um you know if if you're asking your players yeah. to play too many games, well you should have swapped him out for 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 a, a squad player or or for younger yeah. under twenty threes. I think the the problem with the the problem with that is they can't. Yeah, they should have done that from the start. Well, yeah, they, they can't do it can't now it. because it's it'd be inconsistent. And I, I think the third thing that's come out of this is there is a burden of privilege with the big teams in the sense that, um, and it's not a burden, actually, it, it, it's a benefit where the Premier League, I think, have been a little bit more lenient with the bigger teams when they have missed bigger players. And I think there have been inconsistencies. And this is not to the fault of the big teams that do want postponements because big players are out but big players missing is more noticeable so six big players for Chelsea missing is more noticeable than six big players for Brentford missing and that burden of just just high higher profile players is is that 
Yeah. Uh, like, so unfortunately, there's going to be more media attention to that. And when you ask for games called off, well, people are going to criticise you for the resources that you have, saying, well, of course, you want it off. You've got these world-class players gone, but you've also got, you know, 10 other people you're paying over 100k. Yeah. The problem with that is obviously I think there has been inconsistencies with with the way whatever the whoever the people or whatever board um, approves or, or rejects appeals. There's been massive inconsistencies, and that's where the problems lie. Yeah, I, I just think that unfortunately they've created a situation now where they, as much as like people might have expected that that Arsenal game of the weekend was going to be the line in the sand and they were going to say no to Arsenal and then they were going to move on from it. They can't. They they, they can't do that. Like yeah. Clubs will go berserk if that yeah. starts happening where they'll point to games and go, well, you know, they got that postponed the other day, but you've refused ours and our criteria meets the same as theirs did. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like the, the Burnley game on Saturday, for example, got called off for identical things where they're missing a lot of players due to injury. They've got a few COVID cases and their game against Leicester was postponed. And there wasn't the same media traction for it for obvious reasons. It wasn't a televised game. It's too much smaller clubs. Yeah, I, I get it. But now we're in a situation where... I, I find it difficult to see how they're going to go back on it. And hopefully, you know, we start getting m- much less cases and like it, it's sort of y- y- you see sort of the end of this. But I think you're going to get a big fixture backlog as the season goes on. I mean, you've already got it with someone like Burnley. They're going to be five games behind. Yeah. And Spurs. Um, Spurs are four behind. They're making yeah. one up in midweek. And so they're playing Bright- uh, is it Brighton. No, they're playing Leicester on Wednesday. Um, but yeah. you're going to. It's 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 gonna add up, and if if, if there's some that that's why I like if you if you if you put the onus on the clubs, it also means that you know they have to be stricter with what they're doing COVID wise. Yeah, the risk of 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 having to to field some seventeen year old is is there. Then there's no way of getting around it. Whereas they can be a bit more creative. But you know the sad thing is, I think I think it will because because of the media backlash, I think it will become harsher. And there will be inconsistencies. I think it'll be exactly like the refereeing decisions. You know, if it, if it's a big issue one week, it'll be it'll be changed the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be you know it'll be skewed the, the next week towards a more harsher opinion. I I um I, I think that's where it's going to go. Um, <clears> which which I'm sure just, it just all yeah. leads to inconsistencies and all these yeah. this bickering about really oh. nonsense that isn't football. Pretty um, much, which is annoying. Like. I've got to say, like, before we move on, uh, like, uh, uh, on a side note, I thoroughly enjoyed the amount of piss that this boiled of rival fans and rival journalists <laughs> and yeah. people in the media. I think my personal favourite, I mean, there was a few. There was a Daily Mail, uh, it was actually a two-page spread on the Mail on Sunday. <laughs> two where they, pages on the yeah, Mail. Where, where, wow. where they put out a, uh, a lineup that apparently we could have fielded. And it was apparently worth more than what Tottenham's team would have been, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it was it was <laughs> just it was quite funny. Um, I also really quite enjoyed a tweet from a Spurs journalist who I'll read it out for you. She suspect the Premier League will accede to Arsenal's postponement request, but if I was Spurs, I'd point to Xhaka's self-inflicted absence, make the Nars and Balogun's loans, uh, having to play about three players in September, and Lasagna Gate. Now Lasagna Gate for those that don't know. There was a game in 2006, <laughs> the last day of the season. Tottenham. Are they really referring to? <laughs> I mean, I, I just you, you gotta love it, haven't you? Going back 16 years to a game that went ahead because um, Spurs players had food poisoning and they bottled top four in typical Spurs fashion. See, the 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 funny thing is, I think that is a relevant point, but that point should have been brought up whenever the first game was postponed and yeah. said, you know, like. We we didn't stop games whenever a whole team had this uh, the same illness. This is an illness. The whole team has it. You know, do you know what though? Like on a cynical note, and I know it's probably not their fault, but the team that started the postponements was Spurs when they had their first outbreak and they couldn't field a team against Rennes in the Europa Conference League, and they postponed. I think it was two or three games and had a winter break. Now. I know that's cynical, but that's where this all started with these postponements. And it's from there that you've had this snowball effect yeah. where teams have had games called off and then have had to implement this rule on the fly, which clearly doesn't work. And we're in a mess with it now. And I'm not blaming Spurs for that. 
But I know. I, I, I don't feel bad with that, Flynn. Yes, but it's, uh, it's uh, uh, so hypocritical. But you, no, you're right. You're right, Harry. You're right. I'm blaming Spurs. Um, no, but seriously, like, <laughs> and, and you know, like even people, even people. I saw a tweet from a Chelsea journalist saying. Arsenal didn't have a problem when they played Leeds. I mean, what did they want us to do? Turn up at the ground and go, actually, we're not going to play the game today, guys, because we've looked at your team and we thought, do you know what? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. You know, Leeds, uh, uh, and we'll talk about Leeds in a minute because they were excellent against West Ham. Leeds didn't request the game to be postponed. Like, that isn't our fault. What do you want us to do about it, you know? Um, It's not like you, yeah, like, verbally campaigned against Leeds every not- game. <laughs> if, if, if every team had honour and, and credibility then, then you'd be like then fair to slag off Arsenal every, yeah. every, every, I mean, Leeds would be, uh, the only team not yeah. to be trying to, well, to get Ch- away Chelsea, with this Chelsea got rejected didn't they yeah, yeah well, we've, I, had, I, but I we've tried we, it's not you like tried. we haven't tried exactly. but, but, I was going to say that yeah, is you... where the inconsistencies are to be fair and that's where the sort of I, I guess burden of privilege as you would probably put it I think the Chelsea one was it, it was Wolves wasn't it and that, yeah, was, that was before that was before there was actual um, it was written in stone yeah. the the, the uh, threshold you had to yeah. surpass for games to be postponed. So it wasn't clear. I think even then, like as much as your bench was bare bones, it was actually you had a goalkeeper, you had thirteen players, yeah. and so as much oh, as it I, was, I think we should have played it definitely. It's just more the and, and you, if you, and you tried like, not to. So yeah, that, that's, that's the it. point, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Is is yeah, I know it was rejected again. It's the Premier League's fault, but that if anything proves, yeah, clubs are self serving. And and yeah. full full credit to Leeds, by the way. We'll talk about them now. Um, yeah, Leeds should be praised for definitely for being, for, for being well. In fairness, they have had games postponed, but it, but it does seem like they Leeds should had, be praised. Leeds should be praised. Not other teams should be criticised. I think that's yeah. what you're going to make the decision. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. the ones that have actually maybe gone above board and thought, Do you know what, we've got a team we're going to play. Rather than I think that comes from Bielsa. As it well. comes from Bielsa. He, he said it after the Arsenal game. I think he said it yesterday as well. He said, "Well, we didn't." meet the threshold even though i think they could have probably fluffed it and gone yep we we've not got anyone available we want to postpone obviously this is where it becomes interesting the thing i mentioned about injuries two of their players got off in the first 30 minutes because they're playing every game because they just don't have anyone else to put in there um but at Leeds were excellent i mean you've got to give them credit for that i mean i know they were sort of pretty lucky to play a team in west ham that had already played one of their rearranged games in midweek again sort of referring to the fact that West Ham didn't postpone that original game, so they're probably quite unlucky that they've then had to play it and played three games in a week. Um, and, and by the third, they've played pretty much the same 11 in all of them and they were shattered, but Leeds were really good and, and full credit to them for, for going ahead and playing it, I think. No, for sure, yeah. Uh, they, they were fantastic, fantastic hat-trick. Um, and they beat a, a side that's well in four. Oh, actually, they've dipped a little bit, but they're, I mean... They're they're still... They won the last yeah, few, they beat them last week in the FA Cup. They've, um, been, they've been really good, yeah, West Ham, and David Moyes has done you know, a really good job there. But Leeds, um, yeah, played really well. They created some really good chances. I, I think perhaps a draw would have been a more fair result. It, 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 if you look just given the, given the chance at the end, at, yeah, the literally the chances in the game. But um, all credit to Leeds, fantastic, fantastic result. Maybe they won't go down. Uh, and and, and uh, Harrison scoring a hat trick in honour of Ali as well. Yeah. Yep. Very good work from him. <laughs> um, let's move on. We'll rattle through some of the other games in the weekend before we finish. Um, Desmond, Man United, the Desmond at Villa Park. Um, <laughs> Are we surprised at this point that they failed to win? I have to say, I didn't expect them to win that game. I thought yeah. they'll slip up there. I thought they might even lose it. So maybe some credit to them for getting they, the draw. But they were very quite. They were quite fortunate to get a draw actually in that second half. They they gifted two goals effectively, um, and the goals Aston Villa created were were, were really good, well worked plays and. Um, Man United really didn't create anything substantial. Um, other than a few shots from range from their inverted wingers that really, I mean, they were tame at best. Yeah, they, they, they played all right on the counter. I think they started the game well. Martinez yeah. threw one into his own net, which, you know, helps you one nil up after five minutes. Um, they played well for 20 minutes, but 
it's too easy, in my opinion, to push Man United back. Like, if you put any pressure on them, they will retreat and, and they'll yeah. sit deep and they'll, they'll seed territory. And it's just too passive. Like, in that f- phase of the game, you're 1-0 up, you can, you're bossing things. You've you got to smell blood. I think good teams there, they go on, they score two, they score three. And, and you know, I know they did end up going 2-0 up, but they were never in control of the game. They limped into it, didn't they? Yeah. It, it yeah, was yeah. given to them by Samson. Yeah. He just passed it back and it was 2-0. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, to be 2-0 up with 15 minutes to go, they, they just didn't control it. That's when you slow the game down. You sort of... You 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 take the pace out of it. You win free kicks. You slow it down. You yeah. You, you just keep the ball, and it just it, it just looked really really poor to me. Um, you can see they're a team playing without much confidence. They're quite fragile. Um, yeah, they were good. Coutinho was good. I thought Ramsey was excellent second half. Um, I think Villa, as I said in the predictions last week, I think they'll they'll push for top ten. Um, and 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 they did well. It was a good comeback. Um. Let's move on. We'll do a couple of the other games. Uh, Rafa Benitez is gone. He's been sacked by Everton. Most predictable sacking coming this season, boys? Oh, no, the Watford manager earlier on, because obviously they sacked theirs. But <laughs> apart from that, yeah. You'd have got good odds on Ranieri to get sacked before Rafa, to be yeah. fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, losing to Norwich is a low point, and they've had a bad season, Everton. I mean, they really have been awful. Um, yeah. But that was... That was probably Richarlison's the, the only the only only positive part of the of Everton right now, and they've sold their one of their most creative forces in their fullback as well. Dinier's gone to to Steven Gerrard. Um, Rafa, the agent, I've heard <laughs> he's bigger than Villa. Thrown around. Steven been... Gerrard is Aston Villa. <laughs> Wait, what was that? He's, he's, he's gone to Steven Gerrard. He's gone to yeah, Steven yeah, Gerrard. He's gone to Steven Gerrard. Yeah. No, the, my, my point was he's gone to Steven Gerrard. Agent Agent Rafa as he's been sabotaging. That's um, that's that's the point I was making. But yeah, I think they'll regret the decision. Um, What's my point then? Yeah. Oh no, no, to sack him because I don't see the con. I don't see the content. Like, well, the the contenders, the the, the guys they're getting linked with them, and it really is just a dross, isn't it? It's awful. It's like they've thrown six names into a hat and gone, yeah, we'll pick one out and. I mean, Roberto Martinez was the front runner. I read. I mean, I read that he's turned them down. He wants to stay on. Of course, Belgium. he would. And yeah. I'm not surprised, given he's yeah. lucky. He's lucky to be a manager there. He's wasted <laughs> their golden generation. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you've got Wayne Rooney. You've got Graham Potter. Who I think would be a great. I don't say Wayne Rooney like that. Wayne Wayne Rooney's doing well. Maybe a bit early. He's doing okay. He's doing well, but he shouldn't be managing Everton at this juncture. Come no. on. It's one thing, like, don't get me wrong, right? I don't know they the relegated. Derby. The Derby expectations are on the floor, and I know that like it's very difficult circumstances to work with. But let's be honest, he can't fail there. If they go down, yeah. everyone will go. Well, yeah, they're supposed to get relegated. He can't, but yeah. he's doing a really good job. He's doing a really good job to, to give them hope of staying up. They shouldn't have a chance. Let's be honest. They're eight points off, only only for for. They play two extra out. games, haven't they? Have they? Yeah, they've they've played extra games on the teams around them, definitely. Uh, um, you know, Reading gives them hope anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. Careful, careful. Um, yeah, they've played they've played one more game than than Reading. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they got a chance. I mean, look, I'm not knocking him. Fair play to him this season. He's done very well given the circumstances. But it's one thing to do very well given the circumstances at a bottom bottom of the table championship side. I think Everton's a different prospect. It really is. And I'm not saying that people expect the new managers to come in and get them pushing for top four. But there are expectation levels there. And I just don't think he's ready at this point in his career to go there and, and meet those. But no, it's, it's probably a bit early. Yeah, it is a bit, a bit of an odd one. Like the, Just the whole situation and the amount of like, decisions that have been made by Raph Benitez with like, backroom staff. It's um, it's it's just so bad. It's just so badly done. It goes but, beyond that though. Look how much money they've spent since um, Mashiri came didn't in. Spend that. Yeah, no, no, didn't... Rafa didn't. Rafa didn't because they're they're, they're, yeah, been... they're in a position with financial fair play where they yeah. cannot spend. They've spent beyond their means to such a point where yeah, yeah. they've they've spent loads. They've gone the nowhere. They've gone nowhere. They've got. They've gone. They've gone backwards. Gone backwards. And they, and they still want to move stadiums as well. It's insane. When I think of Everton, 
I, I look at it and I think of obviously when David Moyes used to manage them. I don't think the Everton fans ask a lot in terms of like, I don't think they expect to get top six, top eight. I think that they want a team that's difficult to beat, uh, works hard for each other and they enjoy watching. And I think when yeah. you look at it, Rafa Benitez and his teams notoriously, I know his Liverpool teams were good and hard to break down, but he's not been that manager for a decade. I think his job he did at, New- at Newcastle is in- incredibly overinflated by the fact that Yes, he stayed there. He's a bit of a hero. He got them promoted. He played terrible football. All his metrics were on par with Steve Bruce. And I know Steve Bruce spent money, but they played crap football. It all makes sense to me now, you know? Um, And he just wasn't the man. I mean, for obvious reasons as well. His prior connection to Liverpool, what he said about Everton in the past, it was never going to work. The first sign of trouble, they were going to lob him out. And it was a long time coming. Um, and I think it's an instant sacking offence to that Adam Eder score a goal against Germany. Good God. But what, what I was going to say was, you know, what also was a long time coming was Adam Eder's first goal. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, you know I f- personally, I feel sorry for Rappanese that he came up against Eder on the on, I think that's on, how on, cute on the to move on. Yeah. M- yeah. Man of match, Eder. So, George. a brilliant yeah. performance. <laughs> K- keep an eye on him. He's, he's, he's going he's gonna to come good. Something's happening there. Better confidence, you watch. Get him in your fantasy team. Yeah, uh, I won't be getting him in my fantasy team. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, four words I've seen a lot this weekend. Ward Prowse for England. Talk to me, boys. Uh, as, as the sixth choice, centre mid? Yeah, why not? Um, as a regular star, at Absolutely not. Nowhere near the first team. Um, good to bring on for de- dead ball situations. If you're if you're chasing the game, maybe the last twenty minutes, you know, you can pick a pass as well. But as a consistent, uh, consistent sort of England star, absolutely not. However, I would say potentially the Premier League's best ever free kick taker. Yeah, look, let's give the guy some, some praise. I mean, that free kick he scored against Wolves. Oh, it's d- disgusting. Uh, and obviously, it's not the first time he's done it. The guy strikes a great a great ball. He really does yeah. have good technique. Um, better than many other players in the league. Um, it, it, it's, it's not better than a lot of... Not uh, so much better that he'd get into starting 11. No, uh, that's compared the point. to like Mount, Reese James, he, Trent, whatever. He, 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 he has some... He has one thing he does exceptionally... And he might be the best at it, but he doesn't do it better than everybody else yeah. to, to, a, to a degree where it makes up for the other shortcomings in his game. Yeah. I think what summed up Ward-Prowse to me, we played Southampton a few weeks ago and he scored that goal, obviously, where we passed it from one end to the other. In that move, the, the ball comes out to the right and Saka's kind of just jogging up the right with the ball at his feet. And, and the whole time you just see this number eight kind of treading water alongside him for about 30 yards up to the penalty area. And then he just cuts it back and we score. And it's like, yep, that's Ward-Prowse. Uh, he's not very quick. And I just don't think that he's well-rounded enough. When you look at the other options in there, in Rice, in Phillips, as you said, Mount, uh, even Henderson. Henderson's not had a great season, but I still think Henderson's a better player than Ward-Prowse. Obviously, you've got Bellingham coming through. You're absolutely right. He's not going to be better than fifth or sixth choice. And you don't do that just for a set-piece taker. You know, yeah, especially uh, when you've got a decent set of piece takers already. Oh, the people that do that already. Um, I yeah. think he, he has a skill that is very obvious to the naked eye, and that kind of draws a lot of people to him. The fact that he strikes a really good free kick. He and it is impressive. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, like, he is, uh, I've said this before, he's one of the best dead ball uh, players I've ever seen. Uh, he, yeah. he, he, you've got to give the guy credit and to give him credit for something else he's always available he plays every minute of every game pretty much for the last three or four seasons he's always there so uh, you know I'm not meaning to be disrespectful about a player that plays for a you know lower of the table side but there's kind of a reason for that like if he was so obviously a top six player he'd already be at one of the top six yeah. clubs so they've had long enough to look at him and decide whether they think he's good enough, and I like—I just don't think he is. And and he doesn't compare to players like Rice and Basuma and Ndidi that get linked. I know he's not necessarily in those positions. Um, I, I can't think of maybe you know comparable players, but he 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 he's not he's not ready for that step up into the top into the top six. But maybe he would get into the Spurs team ahead of Harry Winks. 
he would be um, Man when Man City first took over. He would be like the Gareth Barry replacement. In, in, yeah, for, for signings. Yeah. That, oh, that, they signed Milner, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Well, even, yeah, even Milner's a bit better. I I put I put him in a par with Gareth Barry as quality. I, yeah, no, he, I think uh, I think he's good. I think he he's Milner level. I, fact, I just don't think. Yeah, I just I don't know. No, Milner, Milner's better. Milner, 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 Milner won a game for Man City in the Champions he, League against Bayern on his own. He deserves to be playing Europa League football. I reckon on on the odd occasion, um, every other year. That that's what I'd say about James Ward-Prowse. That's it. Yeah, I think that's fair to suggest. And before we finish this week, just going to go over just another fantasy pick. Fergal, do you want to update the listeners on how we've been doing? Yeah, so um, it's a bit been a, with, with all the postponements and stuff. It's been a bit mental. But uh, last week I picked uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin. He'd done very well for me. Missed the penalty and got zero points in the end. Uh, and Ali picked Antonio. I uh, got a very respectable nine points. Uh, George picked De Bruyne, so only got the two, so potentially a bit, a bit of a waste for such a big pick. Uh, and Harry, go back in the race, my son. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> you you better start believing in title races because you're in one. Oh. You you you've got a massive twenty-one points from Bowen. You're right back up into it in the mix. Near well, maybe another a week or so to be right in the mix of the title. Um, and uh, so then uh, with uh, that was for two weeks ago. Uh, I th- or like yeah, about two weeks ago, two game weeks ago. Uh, this game week just gone. Me and Ali have both went for Dennis. Um and uh, George and uh, and Harry have gone for uh, uh, Lukaku and Mount. So all three of us are waiting for another game currently as we record this. Um, none of us have got uh, more than two points. Harry's the only one on one point with Mount coming off the bench for Chelsea. But it's uh, yeah, one more game to go for all those players. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The current standings, uh, from bottom to top. George is now bottom on 60 points. Oh. Harry in third place on 67. And only seven points ahead is me on 74. And a wee bit more ahead, a wee, wee bit out in front, potentially the Man City of, of this of this league is Ali on 86 points. So we, we still, we, again, I, I caught up with him and then forgot one week, picked Calvert-Lewin, and now I'm sort of back where I was. Trying to trying to scramble and get, uh, and now I've got to worry about Harry. It's it's almost like I'm Chelsea, he's Man City, and you're Arsenal, or or, yeah. or, or, or potentially even Spurs. I had a poor start, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming back, I'm building my way back up. And and then Har- or um, George is like Man United. He's just <laughs> he's starting to drop off. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's all pretty tight, and um, uh, uh, and yeah, it's still a lot, a lot to play for, a lot more games to go. Absolutely. Good. I'm back in it. I'm back in the title race. Good on me. Good on me. I'm feeling. I'm. I'm I've been. I've been reinvigorated by my recent success and uh, off camera. I think Harry, Harry. or off off my Harry was was ha- quite happily to bin it for for or a bit stop picking. Uh, oh, I was one week one away from quitting, mate. But I've I've stuck the course. I've had a good week. I'm feeling confident and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling like I could go on and win the title. Be a, be a rags to riches sort of story for me. There, it's been unbelievable. Um, I'm waffling now, so I think we'll call time. Uh, a pleasure as always, mate. Cheers, take care. Thank you, mate. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers.